Welcome to another episode of This Is Life. Uh, first, I have to just uh, extend an appreciation and thank you again. I know I do this every week, but listen, you guys just are continuing to blow my mind. I, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude. I mean, I think we're pushing like 150 plus listens every, at least every week, and it's growing. And just thanks, thanks for all your support. Um, before I get into today's interview and broadcast, uh, I want to just uh, extend an invitation to you all. Um, not only do I, you know, I see the only reason why I know that there's any lessons at all is because I kind of go on to my statistics and I look and see, you know, where people are listening from or how many listens. But that's literally all that I have. All I have is a number of saying how many people have downloaded or listened to the show that week or, you know, in, in just at all. But I don't have anything else, and I, I know I gotta admit I kind of want to know what else. I want to know more about the people who are listening, and I want to engage in in, 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 in you. you. You are the one who motivates me to continue doing this every single week. So if you don't mind, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, and then one of the easiest, best ways uh, to do that is just to go and just put a review or make a comment. Uh, you can go actually to, to iTunes, onto the page of the um, of the show on the podcast. Uh, you can actually, even if you want to find a, a direct link to go there, go to thisislifepod.com, click on the iTunes Apple uh, page. You can actually go right there, put a rating and even a review, and just leave, leave some feedback. Just I'd really, really appreciate it. And not only does it help me hear from you, but it also, uh, the more interest that people are giving the show, and that's the only way Apple knows that there's interest in the show, uh, or really any podcast app for the matter, is if people go on and leave reviews and ratings and we're engaging the audience and that kind of deal. And then if you think that that's the one, another reason, not only just to engage with me to satisfy my curiosity, but also more importantly, if you've been blessed by the show and you want more people to hear it, even people you don't even know, that's the, really the, the absolute best way that that can and be a reality and, and, and hope and happen to others. So please go out there, leave comments, reviews that really will definitely huge make a huge impact and i really really appreciate it also if you want to just send an email to me this is lifepod at gmail.com and maybe you have a topic that you would like to have discussed maybe you have a tough question about christianity or about life in general i can't tell you i have all the answers but i can tell you at least you know we'll give you my uh, an answer from the heart and uh hopefully also from you know obviously also from scripture uh but just just true that the whole purpose of this of this podcast Podcast is just to for people to talk to people to have engaging conversations with real people about real topics about real situations going on in their lives remember we we, we refuse I think so many times in life especially as we've become let's be let's face it we're more concerned about what people say are to to us on devices and electronically and we've really lost the art of having conversations you know with one-on-one -on -one and face-to-face and, and -face and you know audibly speaking to one to another and that's what the show really hopes to do is that it gives the audience uh, an opportunity to hear conversations with me with another person or even just hearing about you know what God's put in my heart lately but it really is to do that is to challenge us to just have conversations and talk to people and just to hear about what's going on in somebody else's life. Now, today's episode is going to be, I believe, one of the marquee 
discussions in the life of the of this is life podcast okay i don't i don't know how many we're still kind of working in progressing in that we recorded the first couple shows uh she's going to come in my guest is going to come in and we're going to record however many more shows it takes um to talk about a very serious and uh, touching and inspirational and also uh a topic that is also very emotional and very sad uh it's of course my friend jessica who you've heard me refer to and talk about several times on the show already because i had a front row seat literally to this event that happened in her life where her four-year-old daughter aria was diagnosed with kidney cancer at four years old and so i had her in the in the studio and we discussed just the story just what was it like as a mother of a child to watch and experience and protect and do all the things a mother would do to be able to give her child the absolute best chance of defeating this this horrible thing called cancer and so like i said we've already recorded two episodes and today's the first one of those two and she's going to come back in we're going to do more and as long as it takes the story needs to be heard because it's not she's not the only one uh, who's had this experience there's countless families that are going through this tumultuous time of their life literally as we speak as you're listening to me right now there are families over and over all across the world that are experiencing these kinds of pains and more and not enough is done i mean let's be truthful here not enough is done to fund to educate to promote the idea of of, of, of helping the, not only the, vict- the victims, you know, the patients, the children themselves, but just the families as a whole. And, and, these, and, and so what can we do? The September is, is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, right? So this is a time where we set apart, and this is why we're doing it this, uh, this month. This, this is a time that we set apart this particular time, although it should be all the time. Hey, let's focus on it at least one month where we can truly focus on this particular awareness, childhood cancer. How can we make it easier and more beneficial and more productive and more successful for children who are battling cancer, battling, you know, the, this 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 awful terminal, sometimes terminal disease that's going to take them away from the earth way too early, and then having to, of course, ex- have the families alone experiencing that with them and then their own sort of, uh, you know, tumultuous times. They may not be having the cancer in their body, but I guarantee you, it's hurting their emotions their finances, their way of life, their plans that they had that for their family is now thrown out the window, and now we all of a sudden have this giant monster called childhood cancer that we have to deal with. How's the, how are we going to help? How are we going to do this? And I don't want any family out there feeling like they have to go through that alone, especially as believers. We're the ones who are supposed to be taking care of this earth. Remember when God created Adam and he said, go and be fruitful and multiply? That didn't just mean to go out there and make babies. No, I mean, go out there and take care of this earth. Go out there and, and take care of one another. Take care of, of, of all, you know, I've given you this world and, and everything in it and everything around it to be your responsibility to protect and to take care of and to nurture. And my friends, the youngest among us, the children who are suffering these diseases, this cancer, they need our help. They need find we need to find ways that we can go in and be impactful and, and a source of strength for these families. 
and you may even may be listening. You may be going through the same thing. Maybe you are a, a mother or a daughter or, or a, a son or a father or a grandparent or anybody, a brother or sister, maybe just a, a family friend. You know somebody who's going through the sim- similar circumstances that you're about to hear Jessica go through. So ask yourself, what, what can I do? What can I do today to make sure that, that the burden that is already monumental is placed on these families is lessened? How can I help? And, of course, the easiest and most direct way is to go to St. Jude or to Children's Mercy in Kansas City, which is our, our, our local place here near where I live that is doing great work for these families. Ronald McDonald House, right? I mean, just these are just the ones off the top of my head. But find even a local place in your own area that is, you know, even a local hospital, for crying out loud, that you can just maybe donate, fund, you know, do, 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 just organize a fundraiser, find a family in need, but do something. Don't just sit on the sofa and be like, man, I'm glad that's not my kid. I mean, crying out loud, we have, we're all, we're in this world together, we're all in this life together. God created us to be here and to experience life. So let's try and make it the absolute best life possible because life's going to happen. We're going to get struck with and hit with things that are going to, you know, they're going to hurt us. They're going to put us down. They're going to knock us down. What are we doing now to make sure that those who are hurting have the best possible outcomes and and, 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 and because of it? Now, so this is my, it's my long intro to what I get in what I believe is going to be some of the most monumental episodes in this this is life's podcast history. So without any further delay, here is part one of my interview with Jessica about her wonderful, beautiful, but unfortunately diagnosed with cancer way too early has left this world. It's tragic, but you know what? At the end of the day, what can we find to hold on to that's going to motivate us to make this world better because of the story? Um, okay. Well, today I have a very, very, very special gift. You've actually heard me uh, discuss and talk about her a couple times. She's kind of inadvertently been on the show before without being on the show. Uh, but that's just because not only are we best friends, we've been friends for a long time. She's my wife's best friend since high school, since before I even was in the picture. And so therefore, you know, she's somebody really close to me. And, 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 and so I was actually had front row seats to the most difficult days of her life. And we're going to kind of just share some things. And I want to thank her for, for coming in. So uh, before I give any more of an introduction, uh, Jessica, welcome to This Is Life. Hello, Sean. Well, so I do appreciate you being here. I know that it's, again, it, it takes a lot of courage and, and, and the things we'll be discussing. Oh, by the way, yes, if you hear noises in the background, that is not a velociraptor. <laughs> that, that, is her, that is her soon-to-be one-year-old son. Uh, and he is in the room just hanging out with us as well. So he's also a guest of the show. So, yeah, just those are happy noises. We like hearing those noises. I don't mind at all. I think it's great. All right, so my friend Jessica's here. And, uh, we're, you know, again, the, the premise of the show, yes, is to hear me discuss my, uh, you know, what I believe is going on in the world, what's important, and how Christians can be better humans in general. But also the, the general and the real reason why I started this show was because I want people to be able to have an, a place to share and to, to, to share the, really their story. What, what's, what's important to them? Maybe there's, because the, the thing is, like we, start, we talked about in the first few episodes, that, like, that, that, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, that God's blessings are for everybody, but also everybody's going to have some dark days. We're going to have some times in our lives that we're going to have to go through some stuff. And, and 
Um, you know, uh, rainy, uh, sunny days aren't promised to us uh, all the time, even if we are believers. And in fact, sometimes I think that it's, you know, we are, um, I don't know how to explain it, how to explain it, but well, let's put it this way. You know, there's that old saying that, that God will never give you any more than you can handle. But the truth of the matter is, is that God will never give us anything more than he can handle. And, and what is, what can God handle? Well, nothing. I mean, he can obviously handle everything. So we're going to be you know pressed with the sometimes this life's going to give us things that we never could have anticipated or known how to deal with and just going to have to just go for it and um so i want so i invited jessica in here just to kind of share her story with all of us and i i think it's something that's going to challenge us to really look at our daily lives and and just put things in, in a clearer understanding and a perspective um you know, it's not just about being grateful, but it's really about being aware. It's really about being present in every single day and enjoying every single moment because we truly don't know where life's going to take us. And so when life does throw us curveballs and life does give us, you know, things that are going to be obstacles in front of us, how are we going to react? And uh, so Jessica, so if you wouldn't mind, you know, I always start this the conversation I have the last several times I've had guests in on asking the question, what is important to you? What is something that as we as we're about to just delve into to, to your story and to the things of which that you have to share and, 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 and the, just the experiences that you've had now that you've kind of on this side of the circumstance and this side of, of, of that part of your life, um, what is important to you now? How are you, how do you see things differently than you did even five, six years ago? And let's just kind of let that be, you know, the, 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 the crux kind of the, the, the main purpose of our conversation today about how we can, um, you know, be able to be better people even when we go through literal hell in this case. <laughs> well, um, I think, in order to talk about how I get through the day and what's important to me, I think maybe we should talk about the story because it's yeah. kind of hard to explain what's important without having the background. Behind I think that's, well, that's excellent. Why. So, well, no, that, that's that's absolutely true. I think that your your particular topic is this one that is going to be. You, you're right. You can't just have a simple answer. This is what's important to me because I think that because of your experience was so overwhelming, and there's it wasn't just one lesson. There wasn't just one thing that's important. It's like now all of a sudden, you are truly. I mean, you're always you 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 are still the incredibly intelligent, wonderful, loving, kind <laughs> Jessica, but you're different now. Yes. You know, you're different than you're a different person. You you have different. You look at the world in a different view than you used to. You have, you know. Uh, you know, it, just a different set of glasses. And I think that that's something that we all need to appreciate. So obviously, so for those of you who don't know, what we're talking about is, uh, and, and we'll kind of have Jessica kind of start from the beginning, but uh, her her daughter, uh, can we go and say her name? Yeah. Because we'll be we referred to her once in a while. Her, her daughter, Aria. Uh, man, let me tell you, Aria it was, and unfortunately I had to say use the word was because she's no longer with us, but that's a part of the story. Uh, she, she was one of the most shining lights of a human being, not just a child that I've ever seen. I think that she, full of personality, uh, full of, of, of all of the good, bad, and ugly, I mean, everything. She was a full <laughs> person, and, and even at a young age. And, yeah, she, uh, I'll kind of let Jessica kind of, you know, we'll kind of talk about the story, but she developed cancer at a very young age. 
and end up being victim of it. Uh, it ended up taking her life. And, uh, you know, as, as difficult as these things are to, to talk about, that's one of the reasons why I commend Jessica for just wanting to come in and just share her story because it is painful to talk about, but there's obviously a reason that uh, she feels it's important to share. Maybe there's somebody out there who's listening who you're going through some of the exact same things and circumstances that Jessica has, or maybe you're about to and you don't even know it yet, or maybe this is something that you seem to friend or loved one or family member going through some of these circumstances. And it's just good sometimes to hear that we're not alone, that, that we are all living this life, you know, to the best of our ability and the best the way we can. And that even when life does throw us to circumstances and to situations that are over out of our control, that we're able just to get up every single day and keep moving and just, you know, staying focused on what's most important. So I guess just, let's just kind of just start from, from the beginning. Okay. Uh, uh, just kind of, yeah, just, just when you started to kind of see that something was wrong, something was a little different and uh, just kind of go from there. Oh, well, um, well, I could take you back to uh, October 14th, 2015. That was the day that our whole lives changed, everything changed, and perspective on life changed. Um, Aria went to school with me, I'm a teacher, and she was complaining of her stomach hurting a little bit, and we didn't really think too much of it. My, we thought maybe she was constipated or something was going on, you know, minor. You never think that the serious thing is what's right. going on with your child. Um, and she just <laughs> kept kind of like little complaints here and there. Like I would touch her on her stomach and she would say, ouch. And that's a strange thing to happen. And like, would this be like, even if you were like, Giving her a hug or something like that? or Well, I was getting her out of the car that morning, and I just reached over to, you know, unbuckle her seatbelt, and my hand, like, grazed across her stomach, and she was like, ow, Mommy, that hurt. And I was like, I barely touched you. And um, I get her out of the car, and I go to work, and she's there, and she just, her stomach is, like, distended, and... I was like, this is strange. And so I talked to my boss, and she said that it might be like appendicitis because mm. it was on her well, right side. That's kind of what everyone most likely think. If you if real tender to your stomach, especially for how old was she at this point? Four. She was four years old. I mean, yeah, what, what else would you think of it would be? I mean, aside from a stomach ache or something like that, appendicitis is generally the next right, right. Uh, so obvious thing. She says, take her to the doctor because I think she might have her appendix might need to be taken out or something. And so I was like... Which is already alarming. I mean, you think right. a four-year-old, that alone was like, okay, that's a big deal. Right. Okay, we got to... All of a sudden, things change. But people get their appendix taken out every day. And, I mean, they recover and all is well in the world and... You know, I mean, it's a serious issue, but it's mild in comparison to what, you know, the last few years of my life have been like. Right. Um, so I am like, OK, so we end up the in, at the end of the day. I was like, I need to take her to the doctor. She did not want to go. She had extreme doctor anxiety, like extreme. Like she was crying at just the thought of going to the doctor. She didn't want to go. And so finally, I was like, we have to go because something is wrong. And so we go in to the emergency room fully with the intention of thinking we're going to have an appendectomy, like things we're she's probably going to end up having to have a surgery, but it's okay. We'll get through it. And we go in and we're sitting in the waiting room 
and they're doing all these tests and it's taking a really long time and the the emergency room doctor was not helpful in letting us know what was going on. How I long mean, were you at the emergency room at this point? Oh, hours. Wow. Hours. And they were just doing one test after another. And she had, like I said, severe anxiety. So she was crying and they had to like hold her down to put an IV in her. And it was it was really bad. But finally, the doctor, we're like, what is going on? Because we were expecting that they saw something, like her appendix needed to be taken out or whatever. And he says, well, I can't really tell you anything, but the oncologist will be in to talk to you in a little yeah. bit. Was that the first time you heard that word, oncologist? No, I knew what I an mean, oncologist was. I mean, was. In, for, in, in regards to that night, though. Like, yes. That, so, yes. and you obviously, I mean, most people know, especially as adults, what an oncologist is. Did that immediately trigger your brain yes. and your fear? Yes, because I was like, why... Why do we need an oncologist? Isn't an oncologist a cancer doctor? Like, why would an oncologist be coming in to talk to us? And he didn't give us any answers. And soon enough, the oncologist came in, and she is wonderful. And I love her, and I'm grateful to her, even still, even through everything. Um, she comes in, and she gives us a whole long spiel about what she has and all of that and she says i can tell you more things was this at the emergency room visit yes. that's still that first visit first visit wow she says the only thing you're going to remember from this whole conversation is that your child has cancer take a minute there i mean think about that i mean every, everyone listening i mean i want you to imagine you're there with your child you're thinking at the very least stomach ache stomach bug meth at most my child has appendicitis and then within hours you're told that your child has cancer and at that point i mean how how, how do you how do you even respond i mean is that was she was that truthful like is that the only thing you remember from that really that night? there were I mean, two things i i remember very clearly and that was that she had cancer and that the doctor said there was a 90 percent cure rate wow. and for the type of cancer that she had 90 percent cure rate that that she most likely would survive this cancer. It would be hard and it would be a hard road, but most likely she would she would live. Right, which I guess at the end of the day, I mean, okay, okay. So let me let me ask you this. I mean, I, well, okay. So you're right. Cancer never news you want to hear, but you're right. A ninety percent chance. That means it's fightable. That means that right. we have. We have at hope. least options. Yes. There's something There's a plan. that we can do. Right. Yes. And at that point, literally, little did you know even what that plan would look like. Right. No <laughs> idea. We did not know anything that was going to happen. I, There was a lot of tears, a lot of tears, and a lot of confusion, and a lot of I don't know what's going to happen. And we, she sent us home because there was nothing they could do immediately because she would have to go to a surgeon. She was diagnosed with Wilms tumor, which is basically kidney cancer, um, and she was stage four, which means that it had metastasized into her lung. Um, it is one of the few cancers that has a stage five, so that was hopeful to us and that at least it wasn't the worst case scenario well, what's the difference between a stage four and a stage five in that case stage five would mean it was in both of her kidneys and it was only in one of her kidneys um but it did go into her lung as well which is 
the most common did, place did they for tell it you to how they knew to. at that moment that it was like was it still a possibility it wasn't cancer like it was just a tumor or how did they know um well they scheduled her for surgery because her kidney was massive sized and she would have to go and have it removed um so i think it was a week later we went to ku med and the doctor did surgery he removed her kidney as well as all of the tumor that you know was on it and it was two and a half pounds which is really big for a tiny little four-year-old yeah she was really little she how much did you think she weighed like maybe 30 pounds of that yeah, yeah, she was she was really small. She was small her whole life. Um, yeah. I I I don't remember yeah. exactly how much she weighed at the time, but it was yeah, probably bitty, like thirty pounds because she was little. She was just a little girl. In looking back, was there any? Was there? You know, was there ever a time? Like before this visit, before this hospital visit, was there? Was there any tell at all that, that, that this was happening in her body? No. no. I mean, I guess looking back, there was, you know, a time when I was putting her to bed one night and I was like, her stomach feels like a little weird. But I thought, you know, like any person right. that hasn't Gas been through this, this could be anything. Right. I mean, it could be she was constipated. It could have it been anything. Right. Because she didn't complain. She never complained. Even through everything that that girl went through, she was not a complainer. No, it was. Uh, that's exactly right. I mean, I remember just seeing every single time I visited the hospital or he would go to your house. I mean, even all the way to the very end, it's like there was just this, just this, 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 this sense of just, I'm going to win. Regardless of what happens to my body, right. I'm going to win. And in and, and so many ways, she did win. And she is winning. And the fact that that we, you, and you and I are even talking about her today, as much as we would wish and desire for her to still be on this earth, she's still winning because she's still impacting and, and touching people's lives. And that's right. that's countless uh, stories of people who've been impacted. All right, so let's go back. So all of a sudden now you're driving home with your daughter. <laughs> yeah. At, no, you're looking in the back seat and knowing, how, I mean, how, how, do you, how, 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 how do you even sleep? I mean, how do you even, you know, ha have any sort of normal <laughs> life? How do you go back to work? How do you? Well, I, mean, I think you kind of like go on autopilot. I mean, really, because that's all you can do. I mean, looking through everything, I'm certain that God's hand was on my life through the whole thing because I could have fallen apart at any point, at any point through through everything that we went through. But there was hope. There was hope. At that point, there was hope. Um, true. You know, we we had a plan. We knew we were meeting with the oncologist. We knew that we were going to go. We were going to form a plan, and we were going we were going to beat cancer. That's what we were going to do. That was the plan all along. And so, even even though I knew that this was going to be a hard road and that it was going to be just a big adjustment. At that point, we didn't even really know what the adjustment was going to be. Right. I mean, we didn't know what the treatments were going to look like. We knew she was going to have to have a surgery, and that's really all we knew. Um, it wasn't until we met with the oncologist later and we had the plan of what was going to happen that we really had to, like, transform our lives. I want, I want you to take me to the, the – I've actually never asked you this question before. and and Take me to the moment you 
told her where you had to explain to a four-year-old that there's this thing in her body that's making her very sick, that, that, you, that she has to go to a doctor and they have to remove in surgery. How, I mean, how do you explain that to a four-year-old? And what kind of, just kind of share with me that moment so that, that we're just talking to her about it. I, I don't know if we ever, like, actually sat down and fully explained it Which to would make her. Sense. I mean, yeah. um, because she was so young, it was, it was more of a, when we didn't really understand it as much ourselves at that point, it was, it was a learning experience for us together. Right. More, not just us explaining it to her, but like doctors explaining it to us together. And I would have to say the, the child life specialists at the hospital are there the most invaluable asset of all because if it was not for them we couldn't have made it through everything we went through because they they did do a lot of the explaining to her and they did a lot of the easing her mind because like I said before she had extreme anxiety about doctors like she screamed and when we went in to meet with the oncologist and do blood work and all of that stuff um it was it was really a blessing to have them on board because they, you know, distracted her and entertained her and got her through it just as much as getting us through it because she was she was not happy and I remember one of my saddest moments you know a lot of a lot of the memories come in like bursts you know not like not like whole days but like just moments that brought on complete sadness or happiness or you know whatever um was I had made a comment about how she was walking funny because you know she had this tumor and then after you know that she has it then you see you're like I have obviously been blind to numerous things but she was walking weird and I had made a comment about it and she overheard that comment and we were at the school and I told her we were going to have to go back to see the doctor again. And this was, you know, right afterwards. And she said, but mommy, I'll walk right. I'll walk right, mommy. And she's in tears and she's just bawling her eyes out. And she thinks that we're going back to the doctor because she's not walking right. Right. As if she had something to do. Yeah. And she's like, I'll walk right. I'll walk right. And it broke my heart because I was like, baby, this is so much bigger than just the way that you're walking. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know at that moment how to make it better. Like, Well, I think that's that's the fear of most of every parent. I mean, we're put on this earth to protect our kids, to take care of them, to provide for them. And, and, and you know, when you are now forced in a position of where you literally are at the mercy of doctors, nurses, and caretakers, and it's out of your hands and out of your control, I mean, all you can truly do at that point is just be a a source of strength and as a place of safety for your child. Right. It's, it's no longer about you providing for them for their health. It's about you just being that safe place, which honestly at the end of the day meant everything to her. I think that that's one of the reasons why you, you, you said earlier about how she was so strong and how she never let it get to her. A lot of that credit Jessica goes to you because you were there. You were, you, you were constantly consistently being present. And, and, and I think that to a child, 
they, they truly, you know, we, 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 give, we give a lot of strength to children about how they can endure and how they're hardy and all these other things. But truly, a lot of that comes from the, the parents. If they think about it, when, when parents are, are, are especially nothing like a mother's love, but when, when parents are present with a child and, and they're, in, they're in the child's sights, and it's like they can literally take on the world because they know that their mom and dad Right. Are, are there behind them and taking care of them. And I think that that truly, you know, I want you to give you, you know, give you, you know, so you, you really were that source of strength for her. And I think that that, that had to, cause you love your children so much and you had so much love and give for Aria that you didn't want her to have to go through this, but yet you knew at the same time, there's nothing you could do about right. it. Right. Right. It was basically, I have to keep it together because yeah. And I knew that. I knew that if I if I fell apart, that this would be a whole different situation. Right. And it was like. And that's not to mention strength. that, and that, and that's obviously not to say that you didn't have those moments. I mean, I, I'm sure that there were moments where you were alone in the car, or in the hallways of the hospital, <laughs> or in the shower, or right, or dry, you know, where you're just all of a sudden, that, or where you are, are able because you have to. Because at the end of the day, you're still human. Right. You know, you you still have emotions and fears. And especially when you're fighting, you know, to for the health of your child, right? You know, there's no question. All right, so so she goes to get the surgery out. Now, tell me, uh, I'm, I'm I'm curious here, when when the, when they tell you before you, because you obviously had to obviously had to go to an appointment where the doctor's going to say this is what we're doing, this is the tumor. They probably showed you, you know, images of it. Yeah, I saw a picture of it. Did it kind of did it, did it take you aback? Like, oh my gosh! Like, I can't believe that's in my child. Yes, and it also, you know, there was a lot of guilt. Like, why <laughs> didn't I catch this sooner? Why didn't I see the signs? Why didn't I pay more attention? Right. It was just so crazy because I mean, obviously, in, re- in reality, how how would you have known, and how would right. anybody have known? No. But again, that's just the natural desire of a parent because we have to and want to you know, to be there and, and to protect our children from all harm right. and, and even harms that we can't even project. So all of a sudden they show you this image and you're like, whoa, I mean, I had no idea this is bad. And then all of a sudden they have to tell you, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go in, put her under. How long was she under for the surgery? I don't remember. Yeah. It, it was a while though. Yeah. I just remember like it was a good portion. It was hours because we sat in the waiting room and it was it was so intense because you know you're worried your baby's in there getting surgery you don't know how they're doing but the hospital i mean i have to give so much credit to people who work in the hospital and for the surgeons and the doctors because their job it's it's hard and they really did the best they could to not only treat her and provide for her but to put us at ease you know update us and try to keep us informed on what was going on and i mean just the hours between updates was it was grueling so step one was this this surgery we're talking about was to get in and not only did they remember correctly they didn't just remove the tumor but they also had to remove her entire right kidney is that correct yes which, you know, most people can function with one kidney, right? right. I mean, it's not yep. uncommon. You hear about kidney donors, that kind of deal. But you also, again, you're thinking a four-year-old is going to have to live the rest of her life, you know, with only one kidney, you know, among whatever complications that may happen. But at the end of the day, it's better than having a tumor in our body. Right. 
Okay, so now that the tumor's removed, let's, let's just kind of fast forward then to, because that was only step one, as hard as that is. Right. <laughs> that was just the first step. That was actually probably one of the easiest steps to the whole, the whole and thing. And that's something. I mean, most people, they think invasive surgery, moving a kidney and a tumor, that's overwhelmingly tough. But you're right. If that's... Yeah, that, that kind of just gives. Just, if only that was the end. <laughs> right, exactly. If only that would have ended it. Right what was there. what was the what was now what was the next step after the surgery? Well, another thing that they did during that surgery was they put in her port, um, which just for describe, people who yeah, you don't just know, describe what a port is. It's basically um, it's access to her veins and her blood vessels, so that it doesn't have to go through like her arm or something because right. they're putting. You know, poison virtually into. So, so this is for the chemotherapy. I take yes. It. So there's the literally chemo. like a like a like a, a port that they insert into her body that goes straight to her bloodstream. Yes. Yes. And well, they have where to. Where is it usually it, at? Uh, it's in her chest, up up by her heart. Hers, her first one, because she actually ended up having two, um, was on her left left side of her chest, um, above the heart. Wow. And it's like a button. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so she gets the port in, and did they did they explain to you at the time what the port was designed to be? And of course, obviously, you're still a newbie; you're still learning what this is. But you're like, okay, so this is the thing that that, that they're going to insert. Now, I saw a picture the other day. I don't know if yours like this, but I saw a picture the other day of the needle that they have to use for the chemotherapy. And it was a lot bigger than I had thought. Yes. I had no idea. I mean, I'm thinking a needle. It's huge. Like a shot, right? No. no. It looked like a stinking, like, I don't know how to explain it. No. But it's I mean, huge. it was a good couple inches long. And yep. they like literally like put it in like a pin cushion. Right? Yeah. Yes. It's oh. like a, it's, it's thicker. It's like a thicker needle. And it's also probably, probably like an inch and a half long, maybe. And they have to stab it directly into her chest. And it's, yeah, it's like a push pin, a giant push pin that has to be shoved into her chest every single time that she had to go get chemo. So let's put that in perspective. About approximately how many times did she have to go in for chemo? Oh, I mean, my just goodness. Just a ballpark. Just a Oh We're talking my goodness! A dozen, um, two dozen, longer and more. Uh, in the expanse of her life, uh, man, she was accessed so many times. I don't know. I at least fifty, probably. At least, and that's just a ballpark figure. Fifty. At least. Fifty. 50. I mean, because she went through this for almost three years, and yeah, a lot. And it was horrible when she'd have to get it removed while in the hospital and then immediately put back in. Because the, the thing with the accessing the port is that they give you cream that you can rub on the spot where the port is, and that supposed to numb it so that it doesn't hurt as bad. Well, the first time that we put the cream on Aria, she started itching and she hated it and she screamed and we determined just the cream. Yeah, just the cream. We determined that she was either allergic to the cream or she just wasn't going to have it. But my baby, she did every pore access with no 
No numbing. I didn't know that. Most children are able to um, put the cream on <laughs> and be numbed before they get port accessed, but she Not. never did. Not a single time was she able to. You said over 50 times she got yeah. literally stabbed. I mean, that's, stabbed. That's called what it is. Yeah, stabbed in her chest and never had any sort of numbing on it. <laughs> Like did, she was so tough. Does the does the does the does the chemotherapy like the, I mean yes I mean we all know I mean it's literally just poison that's going in the body. But for those who don't know, for those of us who don't know, because I don't even really know. I mean I know the word chemotherapy. I've seen it in movies and experienced it. You know, on the outside with Ari and you have you. But what is what is chemotherapy like? What's its purpose and designed to do? And I apologize for those of you out there listening. Duh, Sean, don't you know? But I mean I think there's for myself and others. I mean I know. What is the purpose of chemotherapy? Well, basically, it is designed to destroy any cancer in her body. But in order to do that, it has to pretty much destroy her healthy cells as, as well. Like, it's, it destroys all cells, not just the cancerous ones. Um, so it pretty much reduces, like, even her immune system, yes. especially. That's why... She would be considered like an immune compromised child. Like absolutely, I remember that there were times that my daughter, who was best friends with Aria, was sick and what have you. We had to be very careful not to uh, be around Aria, be around her at all, you know, be, because we didn't want any of, of of my daughter Island. We didn't want of her any of her cold or you know she had strep throat or whatever, because with your child, those things wouldn't just go away after a week right. or so. No, a simple cold could have killed her. Wow. It. See, how do you do that? I mean, how do you literally go out of this world? I mean, people don't wash their hands. I mean, how many times you go to the bathroom and there's people who just use the restroom and then just walk out the door? Men are, unfortunately, ladies, I promise, I hate to tell you this, but men are terrible washing their hands. So, <laughs> you know. Well, <laughs> I mean, it was, there was a lot that we missed out on. Like, her, her life was basically half-lived because she had to stay home. And it was even so much more than just not being able to take her out. I mean, we had to make sure that our cats and our dogs were up to date on their immunizations. We had to scoop the litter box. We couldn't let anything sit in it because there's bacteria, you know, that could could harm her. I mean, every everything. We had to keep our home clean. Like even even so much as a simple like scraped knee could potentially kill her. If her, if her immune system was broke down at that time. Wow. And it was like a cycle. So, I mean, it wasn't always that way, but it would, it would, her immune system would, would raise. And then as soon as it was back to a normal level, she'd go in for another chemo treatment. Mm. And then it would drop down again. And then when it raised back up, she'd go in for another chemo treatment. So it was, it was hard. We had to plan things around the up times because right. in the down times, she couldn't do anything. I mean, she would have petechia on her body. She would what, bruise. Petechia? What is that? Like it's a- like, it's it's really hard to describe. If you could imagine, um, like somebody who's been choked, how it would put like almost a handprint rash on your neck. Wow. That's kind of what it looked like, but it would be all over her body in different places, on her back, on her face. I mean, I could always tell. And this when, is just after effects of, of the chemotherapy. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, of her having low hemoglobin, her having low. How many know, things did you have to like watch out for? I mean, it almost, it almost sounds like you had to like, have a list of things that 
risks involved, you know? I mean, it's like, because I remember there were several times where you just had to, just all of a sudden I got to go back to the hospital. You know, she has a fever or... Any fever. Any fever had to be immediately go to the hospital. Like anything over 100? 100.4. Wow. If it went over, if it was at 100.4 or higher, we automatically had to go to the hospital. And why is that? Just because the fevers couldn't... Because there's something wrong and an infection could kill her. In anything over 100.4. So, like, you know, normal normal children, when they get sick, you can just give them Tylenol and rest right. and, you know, <laughs> watch TV all day and their body fights it, but her body yeah. wouldn't fight it. So if she got a fever, it could be life-threatening. Yeah. And it was an immediate I mean, so threat. truly your life now became all about the well-being of your child. Yes. I mean, every single thing that you did, every single moment you breathed, every single activity you did, every single thing was about making sure that she was safe, taken care of, and given the absolute best possible chance at surviving this thing. Yes. Everything. You'd go to work and hope that nothing would happen. You, you know, (laughs) it was... What do you mean say hope hope that nothing happened as far as... You you don't want to get a phone call that something's wrong because that could mean... And, and the good news is you did you were able to go back to work because your grandma yes. right watched her. Yes. And man, what a blessing that was. Huge, wow. huge blessing. So just yeah, and I know I know your grandma and her they were just like two peas in a the pod. They developed quite a bond. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and man, and what a blessing you're right. A lot of people don't even have that. You know, I mean, I can't imagine. You know what else the other, the other circumstances would be. All right, so so now. You, that's your life. That's kind of pictured your life for what the next two, three years, where you're. In a, that seems like every single day. I mean, think about that. Every single hour, every single day, and then, and that, and that's not to say that 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 you couldn't even tell. That's the greatest thing about it is like, even though all of these things that she's fighting and you guys are fighting and still going, you never let it take away life from you. Right. You know, you still tried your best to make sure and give her the most you know, life possible experiences and still travel when you can. And I think that's one of the best things about it is that you're like, we're not going to let this thing defeat us. We're still living. We're still fighting. We're still moving. We're still going. We're going to just keep going forward with caution, you know, with, 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 with preparation, but we can still, and I think you kind of eventually got over the point of where, there's the initial shock and awe and fear. Right. And that naturally turns into, fight into mm-hmm. and i, I want to say aggression but in, in a positive way like well, all of a sudden we're, we're gonna do this we're gonna right no matter what i get thrown me that doesn't matter we're gonna still fight it hard yeah we're gonna we're gonna win we're gonna beat this would would you say that the jessica for like when you were a teenager or early 20s how how how, how do i i don't know how to say this like i don't know like i look back at my life previously and, you know, before a lot of my own experiences and life experiences, things like that. And I'm like, man, I don't know that the Sean of 15 years ago could have had to endure and gone through what I've gone through now. <laughs> Would you say that, that, that you're, you know, when you, when you, before even you had kids and things of that nature, like, I don't know how to, what I'm asking. I'm basically, just, I'm asking, it's like. Could I have th- done this before? Yeah, could this have done this before? Like, had you, you know, what was it that, that really pushed your. You know, your endurance. Honestly, I don't think I wouldn't have thought I could have done it now. 
Yeah. I, you don't have a choice. I mean, it's, it's yeah. What else are you gonna do? It's forced strength. Like people can say, you know, you have so much strength and you've been through so much, but it really wasn't me. I, uh, there was no choice. There was no choice. Right. I couldn't just say, "That's true." Oh well, I'm too weak. I can't do this. Yeah, well, you know? that's exactly right. There, there's really no. There wasn't an option. Do you think then the because they say that necessity is the mother of invention, right? Absolutely. So I think that all of a sudden now you're faced with. And I think that we, we as society and even as Christians and believers, we don't give ourselves or even God enough credit or an opportunity to overcome obstacles. We just sometimes want to just. It is easier to sometimes just to sit down. It is easier to uh, be like, yeah, well, this is not a big thing anymore. You just basically, you can kind of just let it go over. But all of a sudden, in circumstances like yours, you're right. There is no other option. Right. There's no give up. We're going through there's, this. There's nothing. You, you just don't have a choice. Okay. So now that we've kind of understood, in how, how, how many years, like, was this, when did she go through the chemo altogether? Like, when did they? Okay, so kind of, I mean, let's just kind of like we can kind of fulfill right, any finish, gaps. I mean, because yeah. I, I hate to I hate to trivialize it because it was a long three years or more of just continual fight. I mean, actually, let's talk about it wasn't actually no, a continual fight. That's true. Let's talk about that. Well, as you can tell by listening to. Last so 45, 48 minutes or so, that there's a lot to say here. And I mean, we've only really scratched the surface in this episode. I mean, there's this particular story again. I mean, you're talking about three years, but they might as well have been a lifetime. I mean, the way that the, from the time of diagnosis until the passing, unfortunately, you know, it's you're talking about just experiences every single day with something new, something to to be a challenge even. I mean, definitely had their good days. There's no doubt. And even the bad days, Aria was always smiling and, and just like still had that fighting spirit. And so just kind of made it even more, like, we're going we're gonna to do this. Whatever obstacles come my way today, we're going to overcome it. And that that's, I think, one of the things that's the biggest takeaways for me while I was interviewing Jessica is even now, you know, just that fighting spirit is still in her. Just that fighting spirit to let her make sure that her daughter's memory is not in vain. That it's going to go out and minister and touch and inspire as many people as possible to live our best life, to love each other, to do good for one another, and and, and to hurt and, and those who are hurting to make sure that you have a part to play in helping them get better. I pray that today's broadcast and episode has really ministered to you and. I hope that you tune in next week and the weeks to come after that. Again, we have a lot of story to tell. And Jessica was in here, and it was a blessing. And again, Jessica, if you're listening, thank you again. I really appreciate you just being vulnerable sometimes and just sharing your story straight from the heart. All right, if you have any commentary or anything, make sure you go to thisislifepod at gmail.com. Send me an email. Hit us up on Twitter, thisislifepod. Uh, go on, make sure you guys do those reviews like I asked at the beginning. It really would really help. And helps us really get the word out. And, and feel free to share this. Share this episode. I want it to get out to as many people as possible. I, I, if you believe like I believe that this is important for people to know and to hear about, share it. Get it out to even strangers. Send the link. It's, we, we, there's so many different ways and easy things that we can do to share nowadays. It's not like I'm asking you to even go buy a postage stamp. Just send out a link. Copy it. Paste it. Put it on your Facebook feed and your social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. Get the word out so that this story can be heard to as many people as possible and truly we can motivate and change this world together god bless you guys until next time aloha and mahalo